0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk, or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1:45 p.m. We hope you enjoy the talk
1: in modern city and it doesn't look anything like the Bethlehem of one's imagination in Christmas cards and such like. And yet the Christmas bells ring not just at Christmas but through the year. And with a stretch of the imagination one knows that it's here or hereabouts in and around Bethlehem that 2,000 years ago when Christ was born. we look down here onto the manger square. You can see a church in the foreground, and just to the left of that, another tower, and to the left of that, there, the Church of the Nativity, built 350 AD over a cave which, so tradition has it, is maybe the place where Christ was born. But although the city has changed immensely, one thing has not changed. The Bethlehem Sea here is dominated by a mountain. It's just in the distance and to the right of this steeple in the foreground. And that mountain, if you look, has had its top sliced off, its sides built up, and it was built by Herod the Great as his fortress and his mausoleum. At the foot of the mountain, one of the Roman Empire's finest villas, you could have mock battles on a pool that was big enough to have small miniature warships warring against each other. That fortress, when it was still built and now its just the remains into the hollow at the top of the mountain, dominated this landscape. For the Bethlehem that Jesus was born into was a Bethlehem under occupation. Occupation by the Roman power, which was a vicious power. Herod played power politics to get the place that he got to. He was king of the Jews, though he was half a He had wheeled his way in through Antony and Cleopatra to be given jurisdiction over the whole provinces of Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and then he made the most of his power, but Canton and Cleopatra were defeated by Octavian, so what did he do? He changed sides, and toadying up to Augustus, he won Augustus over by building a temple to Augustus in Caesarea and a magnificent new harbour to aid Roman trade through the Holy Land and on into Syria. Herod the Great was part of the Roman domination of this part of the world, and he thought nothing of killing members of his family to secure his power, and as Matthew says, killing innocent children, when one who was born to be king of the Jews came to his attention. To get a handle on Christ and all he's good for, one has to realize the awfulness of the world that he lived in, and that awfulness was an awfulness of brute force. And Jesus came as a different kind of king, with a different kind of kingdom. His manifesto involved good news for the poor. It involved sight for the blind. It involved making peace. It involved love for God, love for neighbor, and love for enemy too. It involved riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, a sign of peace. It took me to the cross and beyond the resurrection. This is the Jesus we celebrate. This is the Jesus born into a cruel world in Bethlehem. And what a difference that makes. If we swing round the camera, through our restaurants, and through our panoramic view across these windows. If we walk across to the other side of the restaurants, we'll see through the windows on the other side of Bethlehem, the world of today. Bethlehem, the modern city today is as much facing the difficulty of being in an occupied territory as the Bethlehem of Jesus' day. Here in the distance we can see a bridge as provided the, right the bridge on that hilltop. We can see settlements. It's on the land that had the olive groves and the farmland that belonged to the village, to the to the left which is a Christian village just next to Bethlehem. That settlement is an illegal settlement according to the United Nations. There are many of them on the West Bank. The road, that fine uh, viaduct there is restricted only to cars with Israeli number plates. A road network links all the settlements throughout the West Bank carving up the towns like Bethlehem and the communities separating them from their their farmland and their olive groves. Today Bethlehem is a land under occupation. What is the Christian presence about in this place? The Christian presence is true and needs to be true and must be true and is true to the Jesus who came as Prince of Peace. The Christian presence in this place is about justice, the longing for reconciliation and the work for peace. And it is that Christian presence in this place that we come to be part of just for a few days and a presence that seeks to work towards reconciliation, peace and justice for all peoples, for all nations in the sure knowledge that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
0: Good afternoon, and thank you for coming along and I hope you found that interesting. I started with it on purpose because I don 't know what you thought it's, uh, I thought it was all mud huts. I thought it was all uh, little quaint little places and all the rest of it. and why shouldn 't it be a modern town? why shouldn 't it be a modern city? And this chap um, <coughs> seems to uh, sort of sum up what uh, modern Israel and certainly modern Bethlehem looks like. What he was showing you there was some of the sites that are now um, synonymous, and if you go there, you will find. That there are places like this, which is the now church that's been built. I'm afraid over what they assume the place where the Lord Jesus Christ was born, was buried, uh, was born. Sorry. And to get into this place, though, you have to go through the little old place. Of course, is the little tiny door there. It's called the door of humility, and it's about that big. So everybody, or unless you a little child, has to bow down as they go in. This is for Jews, for. Gentiles for Islam for Muslims for a lot of people is a very holy place and I suppose Israel and Jerusalem just seem different to what we perhaps thought it was and that's, I, that's how I thought it I just looked at it and thought that's, that's what it was I did look at uh, Bethlehem and I must confess and I don't know how they managed to do this um, you nearly got a talk on Bethlehem in the USA because that's the first one that comes up how they've managed to get that at the top of the league I don't know Uh, There are several Bethlehem's in the world, but I'm assuming uh, that we're going to be talking about the one here, which is the one in Judah. And this one is the one that settled in the hills um, just outside Jerusalem. Um, Famous for being, of course, the birthplace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also famous for being the place where David came from, and we'll look at that in a moment. Now, all my readings from the Bible are going to be taken from the NIV, and if you can't turn them up as quick as I'm reading them, don't worry, you can come and get them afterwards. Because we're going to go through quite a few texts. We're going to look at four people, basically. That's four interesting characters that come into the Bethlehem's uh, little old narrative of, of, of what Bethlehem is all about. Um, people of I suppose, if you want to call it what we would say today, that are famous. And so there is another Bethlehem, and certainly there's another one in, in Israel. It's uh, up in Galilee. In the region of what was called Zebulun, It's now called Beth lemma I think that's how you say it. Don't quote me on it. Uh, it's referenced once in the Bible. and We won't go to. But in Joshua chapter nine, verse 1, uh, chapter 1 verse 15. This one is approximately seven miles northwest of Nazareth. And you'd have thought, I must confess. That that may be the one that you would go to if you, if you were Jesus. If you were going to be born from anywhere in Bethlehem. Because he lived in Galilee. That's the one he would uh, be born at. But... It doesn't uh, and it isn't the place. It's interesting then that there are more Bethlehems and, and they seem to reflect, I suppose, the popularity of the name. This name was, of course, in the Hebrew, it basically means house of bread. And the reason it was is because it was basically a very fertile place. To prevent confusion, most of the Bible writers identify Bethlehem uh, as they speak about it, either by reference to Either its location or reference to it be the South south Bethlehem, such as Bethlehem of Judea. You'll see that very much in the Bible as you read through. Or Bethlehem Ephrata, or just Ephrata. It depends. This is just trying to make you look and see that it's this Bethlehem that we're talking about. Bethlehem in Judea is the famous one. Believe it or not, it's located 5 miles, or 8 kilometers if you're in modern language, south of Jerusalem near the ancient main road to Hebron and this road to Hebron is a bit like the motorway or would have been and would take it down into Egypt believe it or not and later on in Jesus' story certainly after he was born he does find himself going down um, to Egypt with his, with his parents and they would have taken that road they would takes them past Jerusalem and down and through and on to Egypt this uh, modern Bethlehem is known as Bethlehem which is a different name. It's an Arabic name. And it means house of meat or house of flesh. So they've changed the name uh, of Bethlehem. Ancient Bethlehem was suddenly surrounded by field groves and vineyards, benefiting from a moderate Mediterranean climate. It's, it's quite a nice place to live, actually, if you, if you look at it. Uh, being located 2,500 feet, that's 7, 760 meters, if you're in meters, of course, uh, above the sea level, slightly higher than the highest point of Jerusalem which I found quite interesting so he looks a bit down on Jerusalem itself you can see by just this photograph that it's up on a hill um, and it's sort of cascaded down the hill that's that's how Bethlehem uh, certainly the ancient one would look average temperatures in the summer are in the low to mid 70s 20 centigrade again depending on how you look at it and highs about the 50s in the winter unlike the desert regions on which its borders because it does border a lot of uh, desert area Bethlehem immediately surrounded has uh, an ample rainfall about an annual rainfall of about 20 inches about 50 centimeters if you go in metric again certainly was a place where food would have been plentiful so hence I think it's right it's called the house of bread it's easy to know why the New Testament writers were sort of interested in, in the southern one as being of Judah This was utilised by only certainly the traditional elders understanding this. It also refers to the Roman region and this Roman region um, it was in Judea. For many of the strangers who we see and they reference certainly in the Bible are from Ephrata which again is still telling us that it's from Bethlehem. An early reference to the law established the usage of this and identifier. If you come to Genesis 35 and verse 16 you'll read these words quite sad really, but it sort of puts our first, I guess the first time we come across um, and our first character that we're going to meet, and this is Rebecca, sorry Rachel, and Rachel here unfortunately is in her death death throes, it's a bit bit sad, but uh, it helps us to understand a bit more about where Bethlehem is on the map, and they moved on from Bethel, that's that's, uh, her husband and the family, and that's no mean feat because there was quite a few of them. While they were still some distance from Ephraim, um, Ephra, Rachel gave, began to give birth to, uh, birth and get, with great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for we have another son. And as she breathed her last, she was dying. She named him Bethoin. But his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephraim which is Bethlehem over the tomb over her tomb Jacob set up a pillar and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb and so here is an awful situation but it's putting Bethlehem first on the map uh, first time and in fact it's interesting she calls him of course son of her sorrow that's what Beth Oil if I'm saying that right and apologies for those that know better what you find though also is that uh, the wonder of allowing Ephraim or Ephraim, depending on how you say it, was a, an, was a region in which Bethlehem was located or was a sort of generic name for Bethlehem itself. Even a few hundred years after the time of Jesus, the creator of this mosaic, which you can see, uh, designed that Ephraim was separate from Bethlehem, obviously believing that Bethlehem was in the territory of the former. So you've got the territory of, of, uh, of Ephraim, and then Bethlehem being in the sort of territory in the area, in the area. additional Bible references are referred to Ephraim again in the manner that it should be a place as Bethlehem or having Bethlehem within its territory so it's difficult when you look through the scriptures you'll see this quite often again same instance but uh, recorded in Genesis now 48 verse 7 as Jacob or Israel was returning from Pandon to, to my sorrow Rachel died in the land of Canaan While we were still on the way, a little distance from Ephra, so I buried her beside the road of Ephra, Bethlehem, and basically just telling us that's the same instance, showing us that he also, it was either a region, or it's difficult to say really, because when you look at the Old Testament, sometimes it says it's the region, sometimes it says it is Bethlehem itself. The next character that we come across is the one in Ruth. If you come to Ruth chapter 1, you'll see here an interesting and very intriguing letter. It's almost a love story, the whole thing. We meet two, well, three, well, four people we meet. In chapter 1 and verse 2, we meet this. And the man was named Elimelech. His wife was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilon. And they were Ephraimites from Bethlehem. Judea. So we're talking about the same place down there in the south, the eight miles from um, uh, Jerusalem. And so Rach, Ruth decided to sort of stay there. She could have gone home because they, they eventually go to Moab. She, she, they get married to these sons. Naomi's, you know, it's a shame because the whole thing goes a bit sort of pear-shaped because for Naomi, her husband dies, that's enough. Then her two sons die and leaves two daughter-in-law she comes back part way and she says to both of these daughter-in-laws look you you don't have to come with me I'm going back to my homeland. I'm going back to the place of bread I've run away because there was famine you don't have to come back but Ruth through her strong character showed to them that she was prepared to stay she said no I will make your God my God where you go I go she'd obviously been very impressed by the faith of Naomi and she was very impressed I think by having that person um, showing just how much uh, faith she had and so she decided to stick there and she did exactly what Naomi said whatever Naomi said to her said go and find Boaz because he's your kinsman he's the one that should really marry you he's the one that should ta- carry on the line he's the one that should ta- ta- take it up and so she did and she did all the things that she was told to do she got washed she got changed she went and saw him and eventually she was betrothed to him and Then there's a wonderful little incident at the end of that little chapter in chapter 4, verse 11. We're in the elders in the gate, and she's chosen this way of life. She's decided to get married to Boaz, and all the things are going well. And so they say. The elders said to all those at the gate, and what you have to understand, when they talk about at the gate, it's almost like at the meeting place. It's like, we'll come here and decide and we'll discuss. You we'll go to the meeting gate and we'll discuss. It's that type of thing. We are witnesses. And so it was a witness thing. May the Lord make the woman, Ruth, who is coming unto you, Boaz, Home like Rachel and Leah. So going right back to thinking about Rachel and how well they'd set up the, the children of Israel. Who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephraim I, and be famous in, guess where, Bethlehem. For a few more famous events regarding these Bethlehem, you can see in Judges as well. There's a lot of, in Judges that talks about Bethlehem. But here is Ruth being commended for her attitude, being commended for what she 's done, being shown that she was committed to it, and she went on and she was and for her commitment, she ends up being a very important little person because she has a son who eventually is the descendant of guess who the next person we're going to think about, which of course is David in one Samuel seventeen we you know, introduced, I suppose in a way to daniel uh, to David, sorry. David is the famous guy, he's the one that everybody really links I suppose with, with Bethlehem other than the Lord Jesus Christ of course who I suppose superseded him by his birth. But here he's in chapter 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 12 he says Now David was born the son of an Ephraimite named Jesse, son of Ruth, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. It's interesting. I'm just trying to pinpoint it to you to say, look, do you know this? We're telling you this because I want you to understand that this David comes from this place, Bethlehem. And later on it gets confusing because they talk about the city of David being Jerusalem. And there is some confusion whether the city really should have been Bethlehem. But um, of course, we know that it is, Jeru- it is Jerusalem as well. We're told separately in the genealogies of 1 Chronicles, very interesting fact that the father or the founder of Bethlehem was uh, a one Salem in 1 Chronicles 2 verse 51 Salem the father of Bethlehem and it goes all through all the names and things and here is we think the man who named this particular house of bread um, even being Bethlehem and seeing in previous considered passages in 1 Samuel 17 as well David who would become God's anointed king over Israel was I think and is the most famous citizen of Bethlehem He was called an Ephraimite. David was a direct descendant of Ruth and Boaz. Also resident of Bethlehem as confirmed of course by Matthew. In Matthew chapter 1 and verses 5 through to 6. When Matthew was commissioned by God. Sorry Samuel was commissioned by God to appoint David a successor to Samuel. He went to Bethlehem. And so our Bethlehem comes back on the scene. And if you come to 1 Samuel chapter 16, we will read that instant. When Samuel is encouraged to go, and he's a bit reluctant and a bit worried about it, but uh, he's going to do it because he's been told to go and anoint um, one of the sons of Jesse. And so in 1 Samuel 16, we're going at verse 1. Again, reading from the NIV, so it might be slightly different if you've got a different version. But it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me one I indicate. Samuel did as the Lord said. When he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and the sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was that they were to choose Not the strongest, not the tallest, not the fattest, not the whatever, but the particular person, and that particular person was one David. And David was the one that would work in the shepherd's fields, very close to Bethlehem, where his father's flock was. It was about, or near Bethlehem, that David had tended sheep for his father. We know that from 1 Samuel and 16. In David's time, certainly prior to the former being king, either David being king, the the Philistines, I'm afraid, were constantly occupying this area. And they were forever overtaking and forever overrunning it. And there's an instance when David asked for water, that he asked the men to get in water, and they said, right, we'll go to Bethlehem, to the well of Bethlehem. It was apparently very pure and very nice water. Apparently, I've never obviously taken a bit. And in, one, in 2 Samuel 23, this is what David had to say. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was in Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me drink of water when the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near to the gate of Bethlehem, carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went to risk their own lives? And David would not drink it. And so these poor men had gone through the, the working of this. They'd gone through everything. And they'd gone through really quite a lot of problems. And sadly um, they'd just not, um, he'd just not drunk it. He just statistically tipped it. I don't know what they felt. I don't know what they thought as he tipped it, tipped it on the floor. Jerusalem has its many ups and downs of course. And David's grandson who lost the part of the northern kingdom basically thought Bethlehem was an important city because he designated it as a fort. In 2 Chronicles 15, verses 5 to 11, we read these words. Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem and built up towers for defense in Judah, Bethlehem, Etem, Tokyo, and so on and so forth and several, several cities that are mentioned there. These are fortified cities in Judah and Benjamin. And so it's interesting that he thought it was important and of course it would be if it's taller you know, if, if it's got a big you know, field and, and the place is higher than Jerusalem it's a very strategic place I guess to have I don't know how strategic it is at the moment because of course the way it's been you know, sort of surrounded by uh, a big fence which is not uh, particularly nice how do we know what happens to Bethlehem well Bethlehem has a staggered history really as we go through from this point the Babylonian exile which took around well we're not too sure but about 586 BC and then the subsequent return back well, so the children of Israel were taken away and then they came back in about 537 BC saw so Jerusalem reduced to a very small little place it's not the big place that it is now now it's quite a, a sizeable place now it's quite you know, formidable to see but it has basically it's shrunk and we see in Ezra and Nehemiah two numbers of how many people are left in that city in Ezra, and Ezra 2.21, it tells us there very briefly that the men of Bethlehem were 123. It's not many, is it, at all. I mean, that's, that gets, you know, as a city, I mean, our village is bigger than that, where we live in Great London. It's It's got more than 123 people, and I know that, because the census tells us. Or, if you go to Nehemiah, and he said, the men of Bethlehem and Netfeir, which is mostly not said, pronounced right, but um, the nearby little village that's nearby is 188. So it's still not the biggest of the places. It had been reasonably big. It had been reasonably bustle. Certainly in Jesus, uh, in David's day, it had been quite a, a bustling little place. But uh, now it wasn't at all. And so the minor prophets that we've looked at and the, the chapter that we had read together tells us basically about Bethlehem and what's going to become of it. The minor prophet Micah wrote before the exile so he wrote way before the children of Israel had gone into captivity and come back again when Nehemiah and Ezra wrote about how small it was going to become he says and he's about circa 4, 740-ish BC um, already describes Bethlehem Ephrata as being small showing that it is likely a decline in, stru- in stature during the divided kingdom and so it was going to shrink this place was going to be tiny, small and if you looked at it as a, as you know, as a, through a microscope, you think, well, like, what would you have of this? What would you particularly uh, see from it? So Micah wrote, didn't he? And we read those words together in chapter 5 and verse 2. Gives the hope to those from Bethlehem, the Bethlehem Ephrata people, saying something's really going to happen. And in chapter, two, uh, chapter 5 verse 2 he says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will rule over Israel whose origins are from old from ancient times he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ he's doing what they call a messianic he's talking about, talking about the future of things that have come he's, ta- he's literally prophesying what prophesying is all about he's prophesying that this will happen he's prophesying that this person will come it is noble that the prophet Micah would sing, single out this insignificant town and basically especially if you talk it about fame matthew made it clear that the messianic prophecy of micah was well known by the chief priests and the teachers of the law we're told in matthew chapter 2 and verse 1 after jesus was born in bethlehem in judea during the time of king herod magi from the from the east came to jerusalem and we're told that they came and came to worship then king herod who we saw In the video, if you listen, he was up on the hill there. Herod was (coughs) described, uh, was in charge of all of Jerusalem. And he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them where Christ was to be born. What was their answer? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this was the prophet had written. But ye Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact time of the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Likewise, the, the Apostle John reiterates for us, reinforces to us that this little prophecy is so important. The people knew, the people understood, the people learned and they were able to take it on board. And so likewise we find John in later considerations is aware of the messianic prophecy that, you know, that uh, Messiah and this person would come and where would he come from? Come from Bethlehem. But of course in chapter 7 of John verse 41 They asked this strange question, or at least they asked this question quite rightly, because when they look at the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't match. Others said, he is the Christ. Still others said, how can he be Christ, coming from Galilee? Does not the scriptures say that Christ will come from David's family, and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Luke's account of the birth of Jesus refers to Bethlehem as being in Judah and then also calls it the town of Bethlehem. And so we find ourselves looking at this and saying well this little town, this little place was the place for prophetic, um, you know, place. It was a place where Micah was going to foretell that uh, out of this little tiny place Jesus would come in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a censor should be made this is Luke chapter 2 verse 1 Sorry, of the entire Roman world and so he makes them have to walk and to go and so they're going to go back to the place of their origin and so he finds himself going to this place and finds himself uh, they find themselves going towards Jerusalem uh, and to back to basically from Galilee to Bethlehem and so it is then as Joseph also went from the town of Judea to this place in Galilee to Bethlehem we're told to the town that town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David he went here to reside with Mary who was pregnant to be sorry pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in a cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him and for them in the inn. And there were shepherds lying out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And angels of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good tidings, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, he laying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heaven, the host, appeared to the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The video you're watching is just a video presentation of them coming down into Jerusalem, uh, to Bethlehem sorry, and finding no room in the inn. It was difficult for them, it was hard, it was difficult for them to find their way, it was near impossible I suppose and, and, and not easy. And in its day the sceptics have said that most people attempted to disregard the biblical accounts and some people have tried to say and also mock the angel's statement that Jesus was born in the town of David. They claim that the shepherds would have understood it to mean Jerusalem or part of Jerusalem and not Bethlehem. And I suppose it's true because if you go to 2 Samuel, if you go to 1 Kings, if you go to of Kings and various chapters through the Bible, even Nehemiah and Isaiah, they all talk about Jerusalem, not Bethlehem as being part of the city of David. The Hebrew word translated for city though is very general. It could mean town or it could mean encampment. So they, the shepherds, would look to Bethlehem as being the town of David and not Jerusalem. Because they, as with much of the people, were aware of the messianic prophecy in Micah. Specifying one that appointed very clearly to Bethlehem. Frequently speaking, all eyes, I suppose, if you think about it, were on Bethlehem. All eyes were looking for the Messiah. They were always looking. This is where they expected something to happen, and to basically to the place that was called the town or city of David. And suppose being that that ancient hometown, the very fact that the Roman governor had to well, release his orders, everyone in that ancient town or taxation had to go back to their place of birth which was the place of their descendants which for David of course was Bethlehem and for Joseph was Bethlehem not Jerusalem to be taxed perhaps knowing that Ephraim or Bethlehem could mean a region around Bethlehem or maybe just things attempting to be put together neatly the king Herod had the infant boys killed in and around Bethlehem and killing them so that he could make sure there was no king that was going to overthrow him. Interesting, isn't it? And so we find ourselves coming full circle, I suppose. We think about the Magi, we think about those that came, we think about all those that came to show respect to Jesus. And we're told in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 this. When Herod realised that he had been overwhelmed by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill the boys in Bethlehem and all those around it that were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned that the Magi, from the Magi then that was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled a voice of Herdim my weeping and a great mourning Rebecca weeps for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more so Jerusalem being our little place that we've looked at uh, sorry Bethlehem being the little place we've looked at not far from Jerusalem just about eight miles away we find that it has quite a famous history it has quite a few people we have four main characters that came from there four people that came from there the judges talk about Bethlehem a lot and unfortunately there is nothing directly in the text identifying with Bethlehem some of the scribes learn towards the references being about the better known uh, one in Judea <laughs> It could be of course the one that's in Zebulun but most of the judges talk about it. In Judges chapter 12 after a little incident that happened there it talks about Bethlehem but it talks, we think, about the northern Bethlehem not the local one in Jerusalem, near Jerusalem. I suppose to understand Matthew and Jeremiah's statement of a voice voices heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning Rachel's weeping for her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It must be understood by the conf- Basically, the parallel of the early events. To understand this question, it must be borne in mind that in the Old Testament, Ramah, or the modern Reham, apparently, was located on the border between the two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. One Kings and two Chronicles tell us about it. It was about five miles north of Jerusalem. It was the place where foreign quarters ordered and defeated multiple times and far away places because of this location it was able to represent both kingdoms this last statement holds also for Rachel and Jacob's most cherished wife she too having given birth to Joseph um, the father of of Ephraim and Manasseh could represent Israel and the kingdom of the ten tribes sometimes simply called Ephraim and having born Benjamin called Sympathized with Judah. The kingdom of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, the parallel drawn by Matthew is very clear. Because of the slaughter of Bethlehem, infants and pictures Rachel as weeping once more, and for it's essentially for the same reason. These children too are no more. This time, the world's power that destroyed them and was not basically a nation and Babylonian came to the kingdom and basically they came and took away the, work, the, the place and destroyed it I suppose for to modern day for what we've seen are the pictures of the modern day Bethlehem it stands still as a place of conflict we saw that in our first video it stands a place that still has problems and to even get into it you have to go through an immense amount of security there's a big huge war which the United Nations have told Israel to pull down but they won't you have to go through checkpoints and you have to go through horrible sort of security gates to get in as, as i 've seen from some of the videos i 've watched and so Bethlehem itself now is just really a place that is in conflict it's in the middle of a big conflict. it has the both Christian, it has the both Muslims it has all the various religions sitting inside it, but it 's still still there it 's still a bigger place than it was, certainly when jesus was born it 's certainly a bigger place than when uh, certainly after the return from the, the captive as we, as we saw ourselves. And so what do we, have we learned from just looking at it very briefly? Well, we've learned that it's a very famous place. We've learned that it's a place where at least four famous people have come from. And these people are very interesting in themselves. Rachel being the one that was to have that child called Benjamin. She was to die for the sake of having it and being buried there. We have Ruth, who was a Gentile, who took on the faith of Israel, took on the faith and decided to be part of it. And then we heard of the King David who came from Ruth, who came from the seed, from the lineage, whatever you want to call it. And she was a very famous, he, he was a very famous person. He took over and he rolled as best he could Israel and did quite a good job. And then of course the very ultimate person that came, and the most famous I suppose, is the Lord Jesus Christ whether it is the right place whether the church that they've got and the place and the grotto and if you look at the pictures you'll see them whether that's the place where Jesus was actually born he was definitely born in Bethlehem he was born also not in a big palace he wasn't born in a big monstrous place he wasn't born in somewhere which was fabulous and and gold and glittering he was born in a stable where the animals were but he is the one that we as Christians and Christadelphians look forward to seeing very soon in the kingdom He came first as a lamb. And I'm sure you'll hear talks about that. And so this is the origins of Bethlehem. This is the place that we've tried to look at. This place that is such a small little place. But has such a big heart. And gave forward to us such an important thing. And so we find ourselves now thinking very carefully about Jerusalem. And talking about Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem is one of the nicest places. And certainly one of the nicest things in the Bible. Where so many people... Of faith came. And because they had faith, if you look at their stories, their stories were really well, they were good. And if you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived in and around that area, what he thought about Bethlehem, we don't know. He, was never, he never actually told us what he thought. But that was his homeland, that's where he came from. And that's why he was able to say to everybody, I'm of the tribe of Judah. I'm of the tribe of those that came from Bethlehem. And so eventually, He will come, and he will be king on this earth. That is a certainty, because of both where he was born, Bethlehem, and because of the lineage of being in the lineage of David. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, Christadelphians.org.uk